Well, hello, everybody. We are here on the Comeback Pod. And after this, I'm actually, however long this takes, I'm still probably going to do my rights and wrongs of the fantasy season, by the way. so Oh, yeah. I'm down. Yeah, I was I was hitting uh, not not with you, Chris. I don't need you here for that. Okay, I I'm only talking to people that have been in the chip. Okay, that's the only people I'm talking to. <laughs> oh. <basically. laughs> um, I did win a I did win a chip this year. Like yeah, record. Yeah. So basically, yeah. I mean, I'm here with Chris Wilson, Tampa Bay fan, Philly. I mean, Chris has been on this pod. You've been on this pod actually like a shit ton. A lot, and I want to make it clear to the viewers before we start. Blue is like largely a forsaken color in my household. It's basically, it's basically Cowboys blue. I'm in a I'm in a little bit of a like turtleneck kick lately too. I've been rocking them. They yeah. fit like the material soft. They fit kind of clean, but hell yeah. Um, yeah the the blue me wearing blue for an Eagles pod should speak loudly because I have Eagles gear everywhere. I mean, it's sitting around me right now. I could throw something on, but <laughs> it kind of it kind of reflects my current mood with uh with the way this team's going and now uh. Yeah, waking up to the AJ Brown news obviously sucks. Yeah, so, AJ Brown yeah, we'll out, and he already he cooked us the first game. Like it wasn't that game was a weird game. That's why it was it was a weird game. We both said that watching it. Yes, like we we sat there and watched it uh, in your man cave, and I was like, I don't know. Like the final drive lasted nine minutes. I felt like, and I looked it up, bro. We ran forty four fucking plays the whole game. Yeah, that's impossible. 44 play like I got nothing from that game other than damn the Eagles O line is good and they should run they're gonna run the ball this year. Yeah. That, that was, was week three. And that was the last time I felt like we had a dominant game from the office. I don't know, man. That game feels like an eternity ago, which it kind of was. It's three months ago, quite frankly. That's what I'm saying. And me and you were in the group chat and we're talking. We're going, hey, isn't it weird? how we throw everything out the window and then playoff games come to these minuscule things or just names on the back of the jerseys. And I feel like the Eagles, they're getting no credit for the names they have on the back of their jerseys right now. People are just like, hey, the last four, five, well, six weeks, they've been dog shit. Yeah. And we're just counting them out. Like they didn't go to a Super Bowl last year. And from a Bucks fan perspective, I'll – I don't know. I was on a pod with Landon last year before the Cowboys game. I I said on I said, bro, there is no stat, no metric, nothing other than Tom Brady that gives me confidence that we can win this game. I'm like, yeah. I feel like we're gonna get blown out, and we did. Yeah. This year, whole different point of view when I got fucking Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Um, yeah, to your point, like it's funny because you take like the Tampa the Tampa perspective, like the, and you know, when you're predicting games like this and playoff games against my opinion, you correct me if I'm wrong. If like, you feel like you like your team, but you like back of your head, you feel like full strength. Like, like they got some fucking dudes on that roster, right? Yes. Like, like, like the Eagles do. We have fucking talent everywhere. Yeah. Except, I don't know, maybe the defense D line's got some talent, but linebacker, linebacker core has is, zero. Linebacker core is the worst in the NFL <laughs> by far. <laughs> The secondary, like Slay's been out four weeks, but which hasn't really been talked about with the way our pass defense has been weird. Playing. They kind of weird that nobody chalked it up to oh, he, yeah, in the they, world. They chalked it up to oh, he sucked anyways. Like Bradbury's cooked, which Bradbury's clearly lost a step. Like largely, the secondary is not the same. We lost Marcus Epps in the offseason, who wasn't every down player. Like say what you want, he's probably a league average safety at best. Went to the Raiders, 
but he played every single snap. And then uh, they clearly underrated TJ Edwards as a linebacker. Yes. Good year in Chicago. Like he's proven to be a a good player, but the secondary is largely unchanged. Avante Maddox missed the majority of the year, which he did last year as well. So it's not really an excuse. Um, so to watch the fall off in what the secondary has been doing against the pass has been kind of wild to see, but so I guess point I'm tying it into, you take the guarded approach to, yo, this team still has some dudes. And I take the approach that you touched on over the last six weeks where I'm, I'm not in a position where I can, I, I feel like I no longer can look at the names on the back of the Jersey, like. To me, you got to evaluate the way the team has been playing ball right now. Like, it's hard to even draw parallels on the first Tampa game because, like we said, that was three weeks ago. Or, I'm sorry, that was three months ago. That was week three. The team – I think if Tampa looked better last week against Carolina, there's probably a much better sentiment from you guys maybe. But for us, even the game that we won – you know, we've lost five of six. The one that we won, I believe, was the Giants game where we were up 21 to three at halftime. Yes. And it took a Keely Ringo interception in the end zone with a driving tower. You know, Darren Waller drops a touchdown. Yep. Where he's leaking out the back. You had him in fantasy, so I know you saw the play. Yeah. Like, I, I, they're down it eight. Was, it wasn't a drop, it was a severe underthrow. Yeah. The whole play was bad. Should he have caught it? Yeah. If it's on target, he scores. Yes. But like he underthrows him. He should have caught it. And, um, you know, we're up eight. They still need a two point conversion, but that's the Giants, man, with with Danny DeVito and Tyrod Taylor. Like these are not the teams you're going to be playing. And I remember Ben Solak, who I'll probably reference a lot on this pod. He's one of my favorite dudes as far as Eagles coverage go. But I'm going to edit his name out. We're not we're not promoting other podcasts. All right, I'm down. So he's touched on. um he wrote a piece like four weeks ago about when we made the defensive coordinator shift from Desai to Matt Patricia. Like we didn't have 10 years knowledge on what Matt Patricia is. He was a terrible yeah. DC who was covered up by Bill Belichick his entire coaching career. And I, I one line like sticks with me that, yes, the Eagles are probably going to look better from a pure numbers perspective if you don't take into account who they play. Because down the stretch, we had Seattle, the Giants, twice in Arizona. And all we did was get – we didn't, we didn't get blitz in the Seattle game. Drew Locke had the one drive for 92 yards with a minute 40 and change left with no timeouts. That one stuck that in your game. head. Yeah. I mean, I remember every play on that drive, but the funniest part is Bradbury. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they targeted JB the entire final yeah, drive. Literally. You know, he's playing, he's biting on double moves on third and 10 where only a touchdown beats you 20 something seconds left. Keep the ball in bounds. Like, you know, hell of a ball by Drew Locke, hell of a catch by JSN still, but like, it's funny. I remember him touching on, yes, the Eagles' defensive numbers are probably going to improve, but they should, given the opponent. And the funniest part of that is all we did was get worse on defense with the softest end-of-season schedule you could probably ask for. So, um, yeah, I don't know which side of the ball you want to hit first for which team, but we can go from there. Or if you want to draw so, parallels on the three, just – my, my general take on this game is – in a lot of these other games, you can look at stats and kind of get an idea, not of who's going to win, but what to look for. Mm. 
when I look at this game, these teams, including I'm not comp- I'm not saying the Bucks are as good as the Eagles. I think like throughout the season they haven't been, but I think at this point in the season, this game is a toss up, and I think the three point spread is money. I really do think it's going to be like a sixty percent push rate on this bet. I think it's going to be a field goal game. Um, I'm I'm looking at Baker Mayfield this year, and I'm looking at the last four weeks of the season. Right, I got the numbers here. Jalen weeks 14 through 18, 21st in EPA and 31st in passer rating. Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, and yes, Baker Mayfield's schedule was easy, but so was Jalen Hurts' schedule. Yeah, so So was ours. Baker Mayfield, 6th in EPA, 5th in passer rating. And you can bitch about the NFC South all you want. I saw Jalen Hurts play the Giants-Cardinals I, the Giants twice and the Cardinals and look like dog shit, really. Who are who are both, mind you, near the bottom of the league yes. defensively in every metric. Cardinals game was weird. Cardinals game is a lot like our game in week three, but we were Tampa, sort of. Dude. Because we they, I mean we scored and, well, we scored twenty four. Seven of that was a pick six, but like Jalen Hurt, the ball hit the ground five times, and at least two of those were on the final drive. You know, he's chucking up a Hail Mary at the end and gets picked. Yeah, we just didn't possess the ball. I think we had the ball two times before half. Maybe I, I shouldn't have said he looked like shit. I think that the no, whole, no, like the team did largely. The yeah, Arizona game I mean. is the only game I'll push back on, just because we just could not. Arizona didn't punt. I think I read no, a stat. No. It's the second time since like the 1960s that the Cardinals didn't punt in a game. Yeah, it's six. That's 60 years, bro. I was seeing I was seeing clips of the defensive line. Obviously, Baldy is doing the breakdown. Um, yeah, he got. He was him. doing the breakdown. And he's like, "There's no trust on this defense. Nobody's sticking to their assignment. Everybody's trying to play hero ball on the defensive line." And if you're kind of a casual, and I don't use that word a lot because I think it just like dumbs everybody down. Yeah. Um, but if you are like a casual type fan, you don't see that type of shit of dudes just not staying in a gap that they're supposed to because most of the time on the defensive line, if you aren't making a play, you're literally just taking a block to open up a gap for a linebacker. That's mainly your job, right? Right. And to make a play on the running back. Um, But yeah, with those games in mind, it's just a whole year with, with the Eagles. I watched all year, the main teams I watched, Lions, Ravens, Bucks, Eagles, and the Saints, because I fucking hate the Saints. I want them to burn. Um, we agree on that. With with the Eagles, it's just been the weirdest thing. Because since week one, all I've seen is, in my head, I go, Eagles don't look right. They're yep. winning. Been the they don't, all year. They look weird. And I felt yep. like nobody, me and you were talking about it every week. But it didn't hit really the national media till like week nine. They waited till the mid midway of the season, and they're like, "Wait, this is kind of weird." And then y'all hit that the viral Twitter schedule stretch where the Eagles were gonna go fucking one and three in this stretch, and then y'all beat y'all went four and one, I believe, in that stretch. Three and two, I think, because we if two. you count the second Dallas game, we got that was it was it went San okay. Fran Dallas, we got. You know, the worst that's what it was. The San Fran game is kind of where everything seemingly flipped in hindsight. Yeah. So the real thing that I wanted to talk about with my long-winded rant, I'm chunking the stats out the window. There are certain ones that I'm looking at for individual like um, situations or whatever, like third down. Fucking Eagles suck on third down. The 31st in the league on third down conversions for their opponent on defense. 
Baker yep. Mayfield's top 10 quarterback on third down. And I think that down alone, in this game in particular, I know third down is the biggest down in football always, but this game in particular, there's going to be some third and nines where it's a slant route and Mike Evans sticks his hand out get a first down. Yep. Or Jalen Hurts finds Dallas Goddard, and it's just a back-breaking play in the third quarter when you're down a touchdown. You know what I mean? There's going to be a play like that that changes the game. So yeah. I was going to ask you, what have you seen, like if you've read something, you've seen videos, or what have you seen with your eyes from a fan perspective that's watched this team so long? What do you see that's actually wrong with the offense other than the injuries and obviously that, what is go? What the fuck is going on? Because I've seen every game almost. I, I think I watched fifteen of y'all's games. Yeah, and I just don't get it. Yeah, um, a lot of people don't. I, I, <laughs> I, saw, I saw something. I saw something a line that stuck with me that said the Eagles are trying to imitate the all the the Eagles are impersonating the team that they were last year on offense, and that they line kind of that line kind of stuck with me because. Last year, for those that don't know, Shane Sykin was the Eagles OC. He was now the Colts head coach who did a damn good job with, you know, the, the hand that he was dealt, losing the one, at the start of the year. One comment on this yeah. before you get too deep. This was another point I had. I, I do think that has gone unspoken about until now, missing the coordinators. Yeah. First time since 1994 San Francisco 49ers that a team that went to the Super Bowl Lost both lost his both. coordinators immediately to head coaching jobs. Damn. Yeah, I didn't Crazy. know that. And, of course, like uh, when we lost Jonathan Gannon, the whole fan base was ecstatic. Um, You know, we beat up on a soft quarterback schedule last year during the – you know, we almost set the record for single-season sacks as, you know – 70. You know, yeah, touch 70, which is a wild – I think the record's 72 or 73. Um, And then the Super Bowl came. But you pulled every game that we played against an above-average quarterback, in my opinion, who most people would agree. Dak lit us up. I think he went 24 for 24 against his own, that Christmas yep. Day game that I was at in person. Um, ball didn't hit the ground. Um, obviously, the Super Bowl, you know, we got the Giants in the division round, 138-7. Daniel Jones didn't have a shot. NFC Championship against San Fran. Purdy gets knocked out first drive. Josh Johnson then goes down with a concussion. They literally do not have a quarterback on the roster. The Niners, yeah, they're they're trying to run, they're damn near running wildcat at quarterback. They don't have a guy who can throw. Purdy, I think Purdy came back in maybe for at least a play or two for a guy Bro, who had yes. a torn UCL and needed Tommy he John. Had no they elbow. Yeah, they didn't have anyone that could throw a football. So now San Francisco is the team that we made the emergency quarterback rule after. So now teams are able you know, to carry, they don't have to carry that extra quarterback to take up a roster spot. You've got sort of an emergency guy, um, entire rule change based off that game alone. Um, but you get to the Super Bowl and Mahomes' stats, like bland stats aren't going to jump at you. you know, I don't even know if he threw for 200. I don't remember the, the total off top, but I don't believe the Chiefs punted in that game. May, uh, maybe once if they did, that was one of the worst defensive games for the Eagles by like success rate. EPA, all those analytical measures that you measure going way back. They took, I don't know, 110 performances. That was one of the five worst defensive games we've ever had. Um, so Gannon going out the door was seen as a, a thank you. That's awesome. The Steichen loss for those in the know, that one really hurt. Yeah. And it's funny because when you look at everything that we do and did last year, 
our pre-snap motion is down across the league. It was down last year too. Stacking didn't run a ton of motion with Philly. Um, we don't run passes out of snaps under center. It's not been something that's been good for us. I think we, I think I read a stat today. Jalen Hurst has thrown the ball three times, not 3%, not 30 plays, not three times a game, three times all year. We've thrown a pass when Jalen Hurts is under center. So it's predominantly a shotgun team. Obviously it's all we run. Um, a lot of just static kind of line your guys up. I know AJ Brown's better than your corner. I know Devonte Smith's better than your cornerback too. I know Dallas Goddard is better than your linebacker that were safety that, that you're going to put in front of him. It was, it was a lot of kind of, and we have the best offensive line in football, probably still graded out that way this year, although it doesn't really feel like it. I was about to say same thing this year. So it's understandable that you maybe didn't feel the need to get cute and maybe create uh too much eye candy, maybe even for your offense. It's just not the way Sirianni coaches an offense. Um, so last year and this year, it's been a lot of kind of lineup. We're better than you are. But I remember in the in the preseason, somebody talking about the difference between Steichen and Brian Johnson, because Brian Johnson's obviously an unknown. But they were talking about maybe the opening script looks the same in the meetings leading up to a game. But play calling during the 60 minutes when you're on the field is a, it's a feel thing, but like calling plays on the fly. It's, it's how you tie in the run to the pass. It's, you know what I mean? It's a lot of stuff that happens in game that you really can't prep for in the meeting rooms and Steichen, you know, I, I could take this back two years ago. We started two and seven. Sirianni gave the flower speech, yada, yada thing went viral. What got lost in that is Sirianni was calling plays when we were two and six, two and seven, handed over play calling to Chain Steichen. I think two and six at the time, and we ended the year nine and seven. Got you know one eight of our last nine, made the playoffs, got boat raced by Tampa, which is which is funny in hindsight because we're going back yeah. to that game. I was in attendance for that game as well in Tampa. It was raining. Dude. I was sitting right in front of T.J. Edwards' parents. I'll never forget. It was thirty zero going into the fourth quarter. I think we might have crossed the fifty once, maybe twice. That's actually the last game that the Eagles have played a football game that they didn't have A.J. Brown on the field. That's the last one. Because A.J. Brown's been healthy this entire two-year run. So I know you asked kind of what the issues are on offense, and nobody really seems to know because it's largely same scheme, literally same players, except you swapped out Miles Sanders for DeAndre Swift, who you know as a fantasy owner has had a really good year aside from getting snubbed on the one-yard line. Like, he's been, a, yeah. he's been a good running back. Made the Pro Bowl. I know Pro Bowl, a lot of that's popularity, yada, yada. But he's at least been good enough to be in the discussion. So the offense, largely, from a personnel perspective, has been the exact same. And I think through maybe, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks, by most metrics, they lined up exactly where the Eagles offense did last year. But to your point, when you watch the games, none of it felt the same. And I think a couple of things for me that, have not been working as well. Even though AJ Brown had that monster six week stretch, 125 yards was guaranteed. He was kind of in, in the midst of that burner that CD Lamb's on now. Um, to me, he served as a get out of jail free card all year, and yep. a lot of those throws last year that they connected on, it feels like they haven't hit on. Even though I don't have stats in front of me, as far as here's AJ Brown in man coverage. We're going to run him on a nine ball. We're going to throw the ball up, and he's probably going to come down with it. 
it's kind of like the Texas Washington game. You know, Landon was talking about those being 50 50 balls, but for Washington, they're like 80 20. That's kind of what the nine balls yeah. with AJ Brown. It's kind of just, even if there's two out there, just put it up. He'll make a play, draw a PI, whatever. The offense just doesn't feel as good. You know what it reminds me of? And it's um, hard to put that into perspective. And I'm sure you can pull statistics the last five weeks, last yeah. six weeks. That's probably much more apparent. But it just doesn't the 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 play to play play calling has been far less consistent this year than it was last year. So that's the thing with me is that when I watch it, y'all aren't as bad as we were. This y'all's offense, and I know it sounds nuts to Eagles fans when I say this, it reminds me of the last year with Brady in Tampa. Yeah. It's, it's like just got that broken we're it's got piecing, a broken feel. We piece together a fucking 89-yard drive in the third quarter of a game. And we're, we're still kind of pushing through and winning games, bad O-line play. The Mike Evans – the bullshit that Jalen Hurts does, that I always said he had a little Tom Brady to him because he does this thing where Tom Brady, if nothing is going well on offense, he literally just hikes the ball and fucking chunks it at Mike Evans. He's yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to give us an opportunity to get something going. And Tom Brady on a third and 11 does not care what the play call is. He's hiking that bitch and chunking it to Mike Evans. But, and then throughout the year, the same thing with that Tampa team. Like I said, the first beginning script wouldn't work. The first 15 plays didn't work somehow. But then when we get in the groove of the game, it starts working. And Brian Leftwich was a horrendous play call. Um, But beside that point, with the offense working out or not working out and all that, I'm curious to see who the fuck gets to the passer in this game, yeah. right? So we got we got the Bucks who have a 40% blitz rate. <laughs> Todd Bowles is fucking yeah. hilarious. Hilarious. 40% blitz rate. And that is, I believe, the first year we had him uh, with Tom Brady – the fact that we were up so much, I mean, I believe the blitz rate was close to 50. I think it was a 46% blitz rate, and the high this year is 43. Yeah, um, he's hella aggressive. No doubt. And how much we how much we blitz does not turn into sacks. We are a top 10 sack team, but what you don't want to see, just like the Eagles, what you don't want to see on your top sack leaders for the Bucks is a rookie in Yaya Diaby leading the yep. team. Your safety, Antoine Winfield, being second on the team in sacks. And then your run-stopping nose tackle, Vita Vea, being third leading sack artist on your team. Yeah, That is not what you want to see at all. Which to me speaks, though, to a solid DC when you can get production out of positions that where it's normally not supposed to come from. Yes, that's why Todd Bowles is so different. Do I think he's a good head coach? No, I don't. But I do think every time he is in a DC position, he is a arguably the best in the league at doing what he does from that position specifically. Yeah. And with the talent, you can't deny the Bucks do have talent on that defensive end of the, the ball. 100%. Even our back end. Carlton Davis has his days. Jamel Hill, Jamel Hill, Jesus Christ, watch too much Whitlock. Watch too much Whitlock versus <laughs> Stephen A, man. Loved it. Fat bastard. Um, uh, <laughs> J- Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean, like they have their days where they look like they're a bottom five corner in the league, but they also yeah. have their days where they look like they're top 10. Yeah, they're well, talented I'm enough curious for sure. Because I'm getting to a point here. Without A.J. Brown, I feel like the deep ball will be eliminated. 
Like, not completely because it's Jalen Hurts and he wants to push it. But my yeah. point is, since Todd Bowles has become our defensive coordinator, what we do is let people literally dink and dunk all the way down the field, and we're going to lock you up in the red zone. It's right. We play Madden defense. That's basically what we do. Yeah. Let you pass here, pass there. You got opportunity to big play probably once or twice a drive. If you don't capitalize, you're not getting anything. Yeah. So once we get in the red zone, Chris, we're incredible. Which we stalled out. We stalled out a not. bunch in that week three game as well. That's what I'm you saying. Know, we left, you know, we had that. Uh, there was that miscommunication with Swift. If you remember that one, he kind of leaks out of the backfield. Jalen Hurts thinks he's going to stop. Oh, that's it. Yeah, he throws the pick right to Devin White. Um, trying to remember, we at least had another red zone possession that we didn't capitalize on. I know that. Of course, you remember the start of the year, like we were, we were bottom of the basement in in red zone touchdown percenters. The only yeah. reason no one talked about it is because Dallas was so fucking bad. They got all national head, and we were still winning games. You know, Dallas had that early fuck up against Arizona, the Cardinals, where I think they left. I don't know. They hit the red zone four, five, six times. And I think they only scored touchdowns on one, maybe yeah. two. So Dallas took a lot of the national um, attention off of our red zone woes. We actually got that corrected a little bit in the middle of the season. Um, and now it feels like lately it's kind of regressed a little bit back towards the start. But yeah, I mean, to your point, like, I don't, Carlton Davis missed the week three game. Or at least was like in and out with the back, or he was. I, I believe he played and the, he was hurt. Yes, because kind of coming like, in and out. Because I was doing prop bets at that point. I was still doing underdogs, so I was like, "Man, if Carlton Davis plays, I'm gonna take the under on AJ Brown because he seems to always uh, step up his level of yeah, play when he's playing against elite wide receivers." Yeah, for sure. And like I, I know week three. Yeah, it's your point about how much Bulls blitzes. They sent five man or more pressures on 22 of the 40 dropbacks, <laughs> which is like, I mean, that's like Wink Martindale level shit, who was the DC for the Giants. Yep. You watched watch the game last week, if anyone did. We had, we had all, we had our starters playing in the first half. Yes. There's no, like, there's no protecting your scheme or not unloading the bag. There was none of this, like, let's not show, you know, none of that bullshit. I'm not, I'm not we're not doing that here. They, they played to go win the game. Washington was tied with Dallas 10-10. Felt like they had something to play for at the time. Of course, that game got out of hand. People that don't know, if Dallas lost and Philly won, who would have won the East? Should have never come to that point. Whole different conversation. Facts. But, Wink, the Eagles, it feels like, have not been able to solve the Blitz for the last two full seasons. Probably three, dating back to Hertz's uh, rookie year which kind of gets thrown under the bus because he's become such a better player since then, which also dates back to the Tampa playoff game that he played in where, you know, I remember after that game leaks came out from the Tampa side that they were confident Jalen Hurts couldn't read a defense. Like, let's just yep. heat him up. He, he's not advanced enough as a passer. It was, it was on the mic'd up as well. If you, yeah, if, yeah, you yeah. if you go yeah. rewatch that, they're like, he can't read shit. He right. can't read shit. They were screaming it. Yeah. So, and it's funny because two years later, he is far and away, like, it's night and day where he's at as a passer. Not close. Everyone sees that he's able to run. And what's funny is Jalen Hurts is really not a good thrower on the move. But from the pocket, he's he was run. probably the best in the NFL last year. He can throw on time, on schedule. He doesn't have the rocket arm to make off-platform throws. Like, if a guy's 30-yard downfield and he's throwing he's throwing off schedule, the ball's usually, like, kind of fluttered, underthrown, hangs in the yeah. air. But when he can play on schedule, three-step, five-step, seven-step drop, plant the back foot, hit a target, 
like kind of see point go gun throw. He's amazing. Like he's one of the best in the world from the pocket. Um, but when you, when you heat him up, he does have a tendency. He never bails up. You know, we, we talk out. all the time. He always bails out and guys want him to bail left. Yep. You know, I remember the Titans game last year. We've seen a couple teams do this lately. Arizona did it as well. I think they didn't blitz as much, but teams now will rush four. They'll tell the D tackles. Do not stunt. If you're going to stunt, stay that gap. Don't get creative. Don't, don't see a window and try to run, you know, around the tackle. Make him sit there. And if he doesn't want to sit there, he's going to bail left or right. And if we get him outside the pocket, we won the down because he's, he's not been an effective thrower on the move. Um, AJ Brown caught seven of 11 targets against Tampa versus the blitz for 111 yards. So yeah. kind of what we talked about earlier, that easy button, you know, when you've got, even if you're running bracket coverage with a safety over top of AJ Brown, Bracket cover is not impacting a slant route. You know what I mean? They they don't That's have time to get there. That's right into the teeth of the defense. Yeah. I mean, quite f- from a talent perspective, you replace AJ Brown with Julio Jones or Quez Watkins. You're not getting the same <laughs> result, right? Like you're, you're not getting the same result on a slant route or a hitch route. Yeah, AJ easily can. You know, he all the time he makes seven yards into fourteen. Kind of what you talk about with Mike on third nine. Yeah, catch short the stick, stick the arm out, make something happen. That's AJ Brown. You know, he, he's not he's not Debo with the ball, but he turns into a little bit of that that fucking yak monster that, you know, you got to bring two to the ball. He's kind of hard to bring down. Julio, you know, Julio's Julio at this point in his career. He's washed. Quez Watkins doesn't have the play strength or the catch strength to make contested catch across the middle. He doesn't have confident hands. Smitty will go get one, but, you know, he's not, you know, a guy weighs a buck 65 soaking wet. He's not shedding tackles and taking in an extra seven yards and, keeping your offense on schedule, you know, you get a, you get a second and 12 slant to AJ Brown. He picks up 11 instead of five, right? That's third and one tush push territory versus a third and six, third and seven where pressure's probably coming. Jalen's bailing balls getting thrown out of bounds because nobody's open because the scheme is so vanilla. The, the defense is not having a shift. They know their assignments from the snap of the ball. You're not making them rotate defensively. And so I think just a lot of those issues that were there last year are kind of showing themselves because across the board, the team is worse. The defense is worse. Offense playing from behind more. They feel more pressure to score. It, there's just a lot of, you know, the Tampa game, honestly, week three this year was probably the last complete game that I feel like we played. And it really wasn't even that complete. It wasn't. At I've, all. Heard, I've heard every single week when we were 10 and one, I heard the same sentiment every week, Jason Kelsey. You know, crazy part is we haven't played our best ball yet. Yep. That's Every so week, Jason Kelsey's like, we're not fucking good enough right now. We have, we're not we good have, enough right we have, now. We have not played a single game where offense, defense complemented each other. You know, that week three game, that was Baker Mayfield's second lowest passing total of the season. Yeah. Before last week, where he's dealing with rib, ankle. You know, we can touch on that, too, because I don't know as much as you on that. Clearly, he's bothered, I would say. Panthers I, have Panthers do have a solid defense, which kind of so gets lost. Yes. Yeah, Gerald Everett was like in the – maybe a head coaching cycle, you know, he's, he's going to get some interviews. That's kind of the funny part because you, I think everybody, once again, nobody's keeping up with Panthers football. Let's keep it above. Yeah. They're a division opponent. So I've seen them two times and yeah. they're national televised games. That's it. It's not like I'm watching Panthers football. Right. Um. But yes, that defensive unit kind of got underrated because of how 
how bad Bryce has been this year. They have zero weapons, so they couldn't score. So a lot of pressure is on the defense. The perfect, uh, the perfect game for that, what you're talking about, not complimenting each other, is the fucking Bills game. It's the weirdest shit I've ever seen because I am not. I'm watching that game and I go, this game ain't over still. I'm like, this game ain't over. And what's weird to me is that I'm almost more scared of what could happen with the injuries to the weapons for y'all. Because what if that just hits you in the back of the head and tells you to run the ball more? Right. What if which, that just what if that which, makes yeah. opens yeah, up the offense? I'm not saying it's gonna be better without AJ Brown. I'm not fucking stupid. No, for sure. But, but I'm saying maybe you can it's dude, running the football is y'all's biggest strength, in my opinion. Every time DeAndre Swift touches the ball, he literally pops off the screen. Yep. With that O line. It's he funny you mentioned that. To carry. Yeah, a couple things. I read something today about Ask any coach on that staff from Philly's 2017-2018 Super Bowl run what their favorite part of that season was. And I heard a lot of them will tell you it's when Carson went down. Not that not that they were happy he went down, but they got to really show, like, we can scheme guys open with foals. Like, this, this is why you get paid as an OC. Yeah. Anybody can walk into Philly with this offensive talent as an OC. You are a Bro. top 10 offense. It is a lot. You're yes. too good to be bad. You're too good to be bad. But imagine Ben Johnson in this offense. Like what, you've watched a lot of Detroit. What, imagine Todd yeah, Munkin mean, with this offense. He's the solution to everybody's problems right now that imagine, doesn't have a head coach. Right. He's going to get imagine, 12 interviews. Imagine like, Mike Daniels with this offensive personnel. Imagine Kyle Shanahan with this personnel. Like Brian Johnson has squeezed less out of the – he squeezed less out of this than I think any OC probably could have in the league this year. Um, which is like a tough pill to swallow. But to your point, I you do have to change the way that you call a game because A.J. Brown as a single offensive talent changes defensive schemes alone. You know, I remember talking with you and Landon about what the offense would look like in the Dallas game when Goddard was down. This is that to the nth degree. Yes. You know, AJ, AJ, imagine the Cowboys without C.D. Lamb. Right? Yeah. Like they don't have a Devontae Smith, so it's a little different. But when that true one goes down, who you are dictating coverage towards, it changes everything. Now you can bracket CD. You can put your second best corner. I'm sorry, not CD, Devontae Smith. You can put your second best corner on Smitty and roll him safety help. You can put Carlton Davis on, you know, the, the kind of the Bill Belichick used to do this. He would put his second best corner on their best yes. receiver, give yes. him safety help, put the best corner on the second wideout, who you know is not going to give him any fits at all. Yep. Imagine Carlton Davis on Quez Watkins or Julio Jones or Alameda Zacchaeus. Like, a, a you don't have to worry about him. out there guarding fucking yeah. Eric Decker. Yeah, like. <laughs> like you don't have to worry about him at all. It's kind of set it and forget it. So it changes the entire way that the defense plays. And to keep hitting on the offense, we've been bad enough against the Blitz with the fully healthy roster, with the easy button A.J. Brown. I, I truly do not know with the way the offense is called plays this year against the blitz, I don't know how we're going to have an answer this year. Aside from staying out of second and third longs, we're not going to be able to get behind the chains. Can't afford false starts this game. One holding call is going to set the drive back. And to your point earlier, like you said, injuries, plural. They're never an excuse, but they are a reason to me. Like AJ Brown is yes. not some, you're not losing Zacchaeus. This is a ball player, dude. He's a good player. You got Jalen Hurts dislocated middle finger on his throwing hand. It sounds like he was gripping it and ripping it yesterday, 
but also we haven't talked about how rain's in the forecast for the Tampa game. Yep. And he's been playing with a glove. He's been practicing with a glove. Slippery as fuck. I don't think it's easy to throw a football with a glove on. Um, Devontae Smith is also two weeks off a high ankle sprain, the same high ankle that Jalen Waddle hasn't returned from in that same time period. So you got to imagine he's not going to be 100%. So we might even see like some 13 personnel in this game. Like to your point, like let's lean on the big boys up front. Let's get the run game going. And we're going to have to stay ahead of the chains to me because this is not a game. This will be the biggest indictment on the coaching staff that you can find. You know, I, I don't really buy all the Sirianni's on the hot seat. Like, you know, when Doug got fired, we won a Super Bowl three years prior as opposed to going to one just last year. And the year they let him go, we won four games. We won 11 yeah. this year. Like, this, this situation's entirely different. But if you walk out there and call the game the exact same way you have been without A.J. Brown as you have with him, which largely hasn't been good enough anyways, knowing you're going to get heated up on probably over 50% of Jalen's yeah. dropbacks per every stat we have, anyone that's watched both these teams knows, to me that's coaching malpractice, then there might be a conversation there. So you're, this is where the O.C. and Sirianni – because it's Sirianni's offense – People always, you know, they talk about the OC. He's the he's the day of play caller. But an yes. offensive-minded coach is is in the room doing install with those guys. It's his offense. He doesn't want to run motion. That's all Sirianni-based. You know, they, they hire OCs and guys that come in the building who typically align with them and see things the same way. So that'll be a big – that's going to be something to watch for. I'm curious to see how the play calling and offense looks a little bit different. To your point, that to me, you have to lean into – the run game, a little bit more heavy personnel. We're going to see some Grant Calcaterra. We're going to see some Jack Stoll, Dallas Goddard. You might see them all on the field at the same time. That's what's made y'all great too, though. It's like the backbone is the the Kenneth Gainwell performances. The fucking right. – now you have DeAndre Swift. But, I mean, these guys are just coming out. The Miles Sanders last year goes and gets a bag because of how well he ran the ball. Like, right. those are the things you have to look at. And I think it's funny how we – both of our fan bases should be looking at two different things. Like, I feel like y'all have to win first and second down. Us, if we win first and second down, we're going to win the game, period. Because yeah. we still can't run the ball worth a fuck. We're last right. in the NFL in every yeah. category that you can possibly be. And against this D-line, it's been awful. And that's the thing that I think has gone underrated, you know. Which they've uh, not been playing good ball lately either. No. Yeah, we talked about that, like. Josh Sweat doesn't have a sack in eight weeks. You know, yeah, sacks are the end all be all. Correct? Or is it Hassan still? It's Hassan. Yeah, it's Hassan. He has 11, like, and then Sweaty has yeah, 7.5. Yeah, seven and a half, yeah. six and a half. They're just not winning one on one. None of them. No. Are. J- like Jalen Carter's clearly hit some sort of, you know, when Whoa. you play, when you play 30% of the snaps at Georgia, and now you're being asked to trot out there and play 30, 40 snaps, like that's, guys don't have the same juice. That's that my point. Up. With Jordan Davis, I, same thing. Remember yes. the start of this year, Jordan Davis, like he was all over Baldy breakdowns. Like, here it is. Here's the breakthrough. Like he's got some pass rush juice. Like yes. he was walking guys back in the Patriots game, the Vikings game. He took down Kirk Cousins with the with the guard. Like yes. drove the guard in the Kirk, made him trip, got a sack. Those guys are not winning one on one, like mono e mono. That's the unspoken thing to me. I feel like everybody's honing in on this. Jalen Hurts and all that, and I get it because of the injuries, because of how weird they've looked and not putting up points. Dude, the regression of the defensive line of the Eagles through this season alone, I'm not even comparing it to last season. The first four to six weeks of the season, I was like, 
nobody can even get a drop back off. Nobody can get two yards after contact. Like, they weren't doing anything. Nobody could do anything on that D-line. And now that has kind of been randomly taken away. And the point I was making, just it just pisses me off about Baker. I think what people are doing are is comparing it to expectation for what he did. If you have watched any Bucks game, the games that we the nine games that we have won have literally all been because of Baker Mayfield. We yeah, had a good we, year. It's been on his shoulders the entire year. He's getting nothing from the run game. Rashad White to me is a very talented player, but he's getting nothing from the run game, and he's just out there on third and eight. Dot, yeah. dot, 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 dot. So we're going to be worried about third down. Y'all are going to be worried about first and second down, so y'all can get a third and short. It's going to be very, very weird on the offensive side for both sides. But I want to talk about y'all's defense. I have random stats here. I just – I don't. I don't really want to talk about our defense, but if we must. So I was going through some numbers, and I just wanted to compare this, right? So there's, there's a quarterback throwing for 35 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 4,300 yards and 65% completion. That's a damn good year, right? That's the Eagles' defense against the pass. And you know who did that? I was about to say, is that Dak Prescott? You know what's crazy? I was straight up about to ask if that was Dak Prescott until you said 65% completion. Then in my head I said, that's too low. Yes. (laughs) Dak's got to be at 68. I thought you were naming a quarterback straight up. In comparison. That's wild. This quarterback in 2014, 4,100 yards, 33 touchdowns, nine picks, 64% completion. It's Tom Brady, he won the Super Bowl. That's what the Eagles have done on uh, defense. And the Eagles, this stat to me, it's just such an interesting stat. I look at score rate, right? Because score rate to me, because I have to check it with the Bucks. Because I'm like, bro, these motherfuckers aren't scoring, but like once every 10 drives, I swear. Right. The Eagles are giving up a score rate of 41%. <laughs> Opponents are scoring on two out of every five drives against this, against this defense. And just for comparison, by the way, they're the fourth worst in the league. The Washington Commanders are 43%. For the record, Washington Commanders yeah. are 43%. So that's yeah, how that's bad they've been. Horrible. That's so I, I'm just so curious to see this pass game with these weapons and stuff against this uh, – this defense because once again we played y'all when the defense was clicking yeah that was our best performance of the year defensively so and now i'm like and once again i got nothing from that game when i when that too was like mike evans drops like we talked you know yes mike evans forgot how to catch a football in big yeah you can't just box down they dropped as well yeah yeah sydney brown like made a really late play on the ball but yes isn't he back kind of waiting in the end zone so he's at so Sidney Brown's out, torn ACL last week on special teams. Oh, life. damn. Who he is a firecracker rookie. He's a downhill, you know, he had nine nine yard pick six last week, which was dope. Miscommunication, not like he made a great play on the ball. Kyler thought he was running a fade two weeks ago. Um he where he does help, and I know he missed a lot of tackles in the Seattle game, but he's a downhill C gap, shoot gap, C ball, get ball. They're going to need his – they needed his physicality in the run game. Yeah. That's where he was going to stand out. And the reason that that hurts even more is because, as of today, Reed Blankenship didn't practice again. So, Sirianni had a presser this morning where he told everyone A.J. Brown was That's out. Crazy. He also said Reed is going to be a game-time decision. Who oh. I'm not sitting here acting like Reed Blankenship. You know, Milk Dud is an all-pro, but he's an every-down safety. 
for a team that's already way too thin in the secondary. Yes. So now we're talking about Chris Godwin, who is they have clearly made a, dec- a conscious decision to get him back in the slot and operate where he's best. They tried the experiment out wide a little bit this year. He's just it's a much better annoying. player on the slot. So yeah. Kudos to them for figuring that out. That's typically where Avante Maddox would line up, which you feel a lot better about than the options that you've been rolling out. The problem is with Reed out, Avante's now taking snaps this week at safety. Because we're down two safeties if Reed doesn't play. We're down Reed and we're down Sydney. So you're going to be looking at what's left of Kevin Byard and probably Avante Maddox playing safety, who is a five foot nine, hundred and ninety pound slot cornerback who's not built to play in the run game. He's much smaller than Godwin. Godwin's given him fits already. He's not even going to be in the slot anymore. So you're going to be looking at a combo of Bradley Roby, who we signed off the street in the middle of the year, and Eli Ricks, who's an undrafted free agent that barely made the roster, who has been abysmal from the slot. He's been a little bit better outside, but he's been terrible from the slot. I swear, when I started watching y'all play, when he first came in, I forgot what game it was. Um, Is it Miami? I think it was. He made a play on Tyreek, and everyone was like, He's one here. He's the reason y'all went and got Kevin Byard. He's the reason y'all went and got it. Just watching him, I was like, yo, Ricks is out there. I'm about to watch him get fried in the slot. It was so fucking funny. Philly experimented because we had so many defensive injuries early in the year. They actually experimented at putting Ricks out wide. Actually, they tried Josh Job first, who's completely fallen out of the cornerback rotation, which we actually have. We're actually rotating bodies at cornerback. Like this is a basketball game, which is wild. He, Josh Joe failed on the outside. They tried moving James Bradbury to the slot because we were getting killed from the safety and linebacker position. Maybe match him up on some bigger guys, some tight ends. Godwin, like from a size perspective, I think the Eagles are going to want JB on that matchup, but he's clearly shown he, do, he no longer has the foot speed, like the requisite athleticism to keep up with players of that caliber. Yeah, and that's going to be a problem because I think they're going to have to rely on him more than they wanted to this week. I wouldn't be shocked if we see a little bit of JB in the slot this week with probably Keely Ringo on the outside. Um, You can bet your ass in the meeting rooms this week that Slay is going to be pounding the drum to follow Mike Evans, right? Like I, I know that's going to be a thing that he's going to want. I don't know how creative Tampa gets as far as moving him around and getting him snaps from inside or sending him in motion to the other side. I don't I, mean, I don't know if Slay is going to be a true shadow this week, yeah. but I think it's something they're going to be pushing for considering it's probably going to be a decent amount of Keely Ringo on the, on the other side who's had, you know, he's a rookie. He's had an up and down year. He's had good games. He's had some bad ones. Wasn't that good against the Giants. Was really good against Seattle. That, you know, it's kind of the nature of playing cornerback as a rookie in the NFL. Um. But the hardest part for me to watch defensively, man, like to your point, you can throw out all the numbers in the world. If you simply like sit down and watch the games, some of it's getting out talented. Sure. Like we just don't have requisite linebacker play to keep up. And you really watch teams that get a lot of pre-snap motion, put us in hell, AKA San Fran. Like the linebackers don't know what they're looking at. And it's, it's, it's less so. There is definitely a talent disparity, a massive one at linebacker in particular, but you watch every single week. There appears to be a blown coverage on what feels like every third play, every other play. Yep. Somebody's wide. Linebackers in, 
literally wide open. Linebackers yeah. in the wrong spot. Cornerbacks thought they were passing off a route. There's nobody there. I mean, there are guys running through gate. Tyrod Taylor was 14 for 16 the first half last week for 220 plus. Tyrod Taylor, who like solid journeyman quarterback, whatever. Tyrod Taylor should not be doing that to your defense. No. Period. Point blank. The only thing that gives me a little bit of hope, and it is a smidgen, because no one that's watched the Eagles play defense should be confident, is maybe with the ankle and the rib to Baker, he, maybe he's not quite as mobile. Like, Baker's not a mobile quarterback. But he can make a play. But he can make a play. Yeah. He's got enough, he's seven. Got a, yeah, he's got enough, like, pocket nuance, and he kind of understands how to navigate it oh. enough to buy that extra second. To uh-huh. where if you've got Eli Ricks running out, you know, he wins on the first two and a half seconds, but Baker extends it, you know, half second in the NFL is huge. Guy's probably running wide open behind him. So I'm curious. I, I don't know your perspective. I didn't watch the whole Tampa game last week. I watched a little bit of it. I don't know if Baker's been limited from like a he, movement perspective. It looked look, like he didn't want to get hit. Bro. I don't know if it's more rib or more ankle. I can't. It was rib. That, to me, looked, it was rib yeah. for sure because you, dude, his throwing motion looked. Off because Baker has like not a signature throwing motion, but he kind of does. He right, puts right. he throws it like a baseball kind of. He puts his whole body into that shit. I was just about to say when and guys have real, they tend to kind of yes. Like, he didn't have any torque and yeah. his velocity and accuracy. Like if you really watch football, you can tell when a quarterback's hurt because mostly in the midsection, his velocity way down. He was throwing shit that usually would fit in between the safety and the linebacker. But this time it was kind of floating. It was right. off to the left, off to the right. But That's I was like going to answer the question earlier. He was slanging it at practice. He looked yeah. good. He yeah. was throwing heat. But I mean, who knows what that means? He could have yeah. got shot up and he was just throwing. So Right. And then, you know, you don't have 340-pounders, like, barreling down your neck. No, exactly. all, all it takes is, like, you know, Baker completes a 12-yard out route. But uh, – but a hit from a DT gets there at the same time. That can happen in the first and play he, of the game. And he feels that one. You know what I mean? Like yes. he, he gets up. And for the next one, when there's a hole shot on third and seven across the goal, oh, shit. Maybe it's off the back foot a little bit. You know what I mean? If there's inside pressure, maybe it's I don't want to fully step up and absorb that. He's as tough as they come. I'm not saying Yeah, no, no, no. But like it like human nature is protect the parts of your body that are ailing. So you sort of compensate. And he doesn't have like the requisite, like pure arm strength from any platform perspective to kind of fit in some of the throws that a Josh Allen or a Herbert or, or a Holmes can make if their lower portion was compromised. So um, to me, it's, it's, that's the one thing that gives me hope is if the D line can win those matchups, what we talked about earlier, left guard, I think is a spot. Yeah. We teed off on left guard in our first matchup because you're not teeing off on worse. Obviously Um, I'm curious to see who lines up across from him. He's playing full-time left tackle now, right? Yeah. That's normally – they normally put Hassan Reddick over the right tackle, Sweat on the left side. Sweat usually gets like the, okay, bud, like you're going to have a quiet-ass day. You got Trent Williams this week, dog. Right. Yeah. You got Tyron Smith this week, brother. Like just do what you can. They like to get Reddick on the weaker matchup, I think, and kind of let him use that speed. Underrated power guy too for his size. Yep. Um. So I think – you know they're trying. They're going to try to let him get after Gadecki this week. Is he had? He's been solid this year. Uh, with the the thing is, I don't know how good or bad this O line is because I'm not judging them off the run game because it's just not this system. That's what I'm saying. If you look at all the run stats, it's like okay. He's been. I will say this: last year he was playing out of position. He was drafted as a tackle. He was playing guard, center, 
right guard, left guard, any place because we were just patching holes on the fucking O-line. He is right. a natural right tackle. He has been much better right. than what he was last year. That's all right. I can say. Yeah. Crazy what happens when you put guys in spots where they're supposed to be. Yeah, he was horrible last year. But, but yeah, it's – I just – I don't know. This game to me is just going to be a fucking – I mean, I, my ass is going to be clenched the whole fucking time I watch it. Oh, 100%. It just it's, has that feeling. Also, it's funny, man, because like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a fan of the team that has the injured player, you feel it a lot more. You know what I mean? Like, like we lose. I'm gonna open up that group chat, you know, and it's you know all fury. Like, we'll like, see. yeah, you know, like you know all see these. Like, gone. Like, my way. Like, I signed up for that. J- you know, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, they can't. Yada yada. And maybe not. Maybe we'll have a shit game and he'll. You know, I'll call a guy out when he deserves it. But like, if the Bucks were down Mike Evans, and we're hopping on this pod, it's over. Like, I'm not even. Potting. That's what I'm saying. Like, we're giving all this analysis, and we've and we've gone so far and so deep into the weeds that I forgot AJ Brown was hurt. Like, we be to me, we'd be having these same talks if he was a full go. Like to me, yes. the game is a fucking. That's my, yeah. The team looked like shit with him. Like, you know, we last week we put together. One drive, I think, in the first half. I think it was our second drive. Got down to the red zone. It was AJ's first catch. Grabbed a slant route. Took an extra four yards. Got his knee rolled up on. Fumbled on the same play. Never visited the red zone again. I don't know if we strung together two first downs in a row after that. Like, the offense looked completely inept. And that's a Giants defense who, I'm not saying they run the same scheme. But Bowles is just as prone to blitzing as Wink Martindale, especially in this game, especially against the opponent. And now you're down AJ Brown, and the Tampa D has much more talent across every single level than the Giants do. So I'm I'm taking what I saw last week, trying to trying to make a prediction against a team who's going to be doing a lot of the same stuff, at least from a pressure perspective. I can't speak to what they're doing behind it. I know sometimes a lot of blitzes are. You're running man heavy behind behind it. Bowles likes to do a lot of blitz heavy stuff and play zone behind it. Yeah. So maybe those, back there. That's yeah, those reason. those nuances change a little bit. Um but yeah, I mean it's I I wasn't feeling great with AJ Brown. I'm damn sure not feeling good without him. Um I do think if I was a betting man, I'd be betting Tampa. That's mm-hmm. not to say there's not a world where Philly can win. They easily can. The thing that tripped me out this morning is when I woke up and saw the notification, the line is still at three. Yes. And Even with AJ out. Like it didn't move at all. No, I, but I think so Vegas, either Vegas knew ahead of time, yes, which, they, yes. which they always they know. Do. They always know. <laughs> they always do. Yeah. Which to me, I sit here and I'm like, I know Vegas runs computer models, right? Like, like that, that these yeah. aren't like three guys sitting in a room and they're like, you know, I kind of mm. like kind of like the birds this week, right? Like yeah. all that stuff's baked in, but it's it's really hard for me to sit here and try to remove all bias and say that Philly should be a three point favorite on the road without AJ Brown. These are the type of lines that make you like last night. I don't want to go cross sport, but like no, Philly was a one Philly was a one and a half point favorite against the Kings last night. The six yeah, without Joe, without Joe, who we've been t- we're two and seven on the year before that game, and I'm like you're like. Huh. That's that's fishy, bro. Yeah. That's fishy. And we go out there and win by 20. You know, like that's it's just it. – but the line, regardless of the outcome, doesn't make sense to me. I'm shocked that Philly's favored here. 
Um, again, not to say we can't win, but it's going to have to be, I don't want to say low scoring because I don't think we can play in a low scoring game. With our defense, <laughs> right? Like, so and that's what that, we talked about earlier. Like you're talking about leaning on the run game, doing what Philly does well. If you get behind the sticks, if Tampa gets – I got a feeling if Tampa wins the coin toss, they, they take the ball. Normally I'm team defer, but if you can get up 7-0, you know, parlay an early fumble, parlay an early turnover into 10-0, 14-0. I know how Bowles works. Bowles is a – a very soft-spoken coach, but if you hear him speak about defense more than anything, true, he, he'd probably defer. He he wants to send a message first first drive of yeah. the game. Hey, it, we're fucking coming. Try to yeah. block it. That can make sense too. Let's defer. We know our defense is going to get off the field. Then we can. He's play like, the game give straight. us the ball back. Give yeah. us the ball back after half because we're going right. to have a little lead or wherever he's filling. Um, I wanted to get on one rant, and it has nothing to do with Philly. I, I was watching. I believe it was Good Good Morning Football. I saw a clip. And they were talking about how the Eagles have more championship experience and more winning mentality than the than the Bucks. Okay. No. Let me tell y'all something. There's there's still guys on this roster. You do I need to go through all 20 of them? Yeah, they won a Super Bowl. They actually have a chip. Antoine Winfield has a Super Bowl. Willie Golson has a ring. Shaq Barrett has a ring. Tristan Wirfs has a ring. Mike Evans, Chris Gott. Do I need to go through the list? Right. No. Rashad White even played with Tom Brady. I don't. Right. I don't need to go through the list. That is a bogus ass fucking statement. If we yeah. didn't have championship DNA, by the way, we wouldn't be in this fucking position. Because as a fan, I truly believe we were going four and fucking thirteen. Right. Yeah. We're you know we're talking about Caleb Williams mock drafts like. Yes, I was. I'm still on mock drafts because I'm like we can still get a lot better. And, right. and this is further – This is a, I'm doing a, a broad point going away from the matchup, and I'll get back to it, I promise. This is, what, this is the perfect execution of what a gap year quarterback looks like, um, by the way. This is a 9-8 season. You're still going to get a pretty good first-round draft pick. You're in the playoffs. You have a chance to win a playoff game with your coach who, to me, if he had – which sucks. If he had a bad season, he would have got fired. And I'm not praying he gets fired, but – you got a no, first-year first play caller. You got a quarterback who's who's been a journeyman who kind of got – you talked about his toughness. His toughness is the reason he's in this position in the first place, people, if you don't know. He played without a fucking shoulder on his body because he was trying to will his team to the playoffs. And if he would have sat his ass down midway through the season, he's probably a $100 millionaire right now. He's probably yeah. got fucking nine figures in his account. About so, to say, he, got, he got punished heavily financially for playing through it. Yeah, yes. he, cost, he cost himself, you know, a lot. And that's the thing I just wanted to say. This is a perfectly executed gap year, and I think Bucks fans should look forward to the future because Jason Light, as much as I critiqued him at the beginning of his tenure with the Bucks, has proven to be just a really good GM. I mean, he he's drafted or acquired yeah. every player that was on that Super Bowl team. Yeah, every player, really and most of them through the draft, mostly on this defensive side of the ball, all draft picks. Yeah, all of them except for Shaq Barrett. Most yeah. of them are all draft picks. Yeah, so, I mean, even this year, I've heard a lot of like, you know, with Jalen Carter kind of tailing and Devon Witherspoon not making as many spot. You know, he came in that first game like bat out of hell, had a pick six. He's making deflections. He's coming off the edge like Winfield. Elijah like a lot of has been fantastic 
I'm, dude, I was going to go Yaya Diaby, who oh, from yeah, everything yeah, I've heard, incredible. freak. You correct me if I'm wrong. Last thing I heard was he's kind of overtaken Joe Tryon. Like, oh, that was to me when we drafted him. I, a little bit. Joe Tryon, I know you were high on Joe Tryon. We were because I, I think also the national media perspective kind of drew a picture for us rather than us drawing the picture, if that makes right. sense. Because yeah, they tried to paint you into a box already. Joe Tryon, from the get-go, you kind of saw his rookie year. You're like, oh, this dude has something. He comes back the second year, and you kind of realize, oh, he's more of a rotational guy. Right. He's not a, a go-to pass rusher like Shaq Barrett was. And then Yaya comes in. And, I mean, I I tweet, I was texting y'all the whole time I was, I was like, yo, this dude, Yaya Diaby, he looks – I mean, dude, if you just see him on the football field, he yeah. looks like a fucking freak. Yeah. Some it's of it's just eye test, bro. Like, you can tell when a guy can play. It's funny with Tryon, too. Like, I felt um, – like, I don't know about play style, but it feels like similar body athletic type to, like, a Jalen Phillips – Yes. Miami, who like before he bled, they look identical like, too. Yeah, like I don't mean their actual like, look. I mean body yeah. type and stuff, yeah. long yeah. arms. Yeah, and like Jalen Phillips was taking a jump, jump, and it sounds like the buzz on Joe Tryon's kind of cool. So it's all it's always wild to watch guys with the same body type who you think should, in theory, be the same thing. Some guys take a leap, and some guys kind of yeah, stagger. That's the thing too, bro. These leaps can happen at any point. Yeah, think- and develop development. I always hear this: development is never linear. Or no, oftentimes it's not linear. It's hard to do like the, the Hurts Allen like. Yeah, hey, it's not that's really not. Like, you you just, shouldn't look yeah, forward to that. that like, happen. I know we're talking about that with Justin Fields too. It's like you don't need to look forward to that. But to to sum this up, after an hour of just fucking ranting. Yeah, I could go for three more. I am giving my score prediction. I actually this year I'm going to predict the Bucks, man. Um, I'm not afraid to pick against my team, unlike some of you fucking – I don't know why people hate when people – like, yeah. they call me a pessimist. Yeah, you don't have to be Twitter. a pessimist to be real. Yeah, Dude, I'm telling y'all, dude, we're 60 last year. We fucking suck. We're in the play yeah, and yeah. We mean we're a championship contender. Y'all are right, apparently. But I think at some point in this game, our, our incredible defense with our turnover margin being plus seven, top ten in the league, I think this defense is such a playmaking defense with the forced fumbles, the picks – um, yeah, just really timely sense. plays from Antoine Winfield and guys like Devin White, who really got a kick in the ass in the middle of this year because his effort was fucking. I'm not joking, man. I, I was texting y'all that in week four. Yo, this dude is not around the ball like he used to be. Um, he got his kick in the ass and has been playing really fucking good football. Talking about last, Devin White? Yes, the last yeah. about four to six weeks. He's. I mean, because he was football. basically in the middle of a. A trade request, right? Like at the start of the year, there was a lot yes. of like, and there know. was there's extension talks, but we didn't want to give him the contract. We wanted right. he wanted to leave because he felt like we were doing him wrong. And I really yeah. do feel like if we don't sign Levante David, who by the way is probably the who most am, underpaid player am, in the league right I'm now, I'm tired of bro. Yeah, um, he's, still- he's incredible. I th- I think he's just untalked about. He's probably top two, top three at his position right now. Um, yeah, behind someone- Someone tweeted when the all-pro teams came out because Bobby Wagner somehow made another all-pro team. I haven't watched Seattle that closely, but Bobby Wagner, I know last year. There's no way. No. And someone said, Bobby Wagner now has more award recognition than Demario Davis, who, say what you want about the Saints. Amazing. Like, last four or five years, 
has been cooking and Levante David combined. Like Bobby Wagner has more credentials. Ridiculous. Yeah. And Levante David and Demario Davis have been better for quite a while now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think we go in uh we go home, we we pack it up and we, we send the, the Eagles out with a lot of questions about next season. Um I think Baker makes some real big plays on third down. And I honestly believe that that Chris Godwin has a has a massive, massive game. Yeah, I can um, see Godwin having a really big game. It's yeah. funny too, like earlier, I know we're on scores now, but like to go mm-hmm. back, um, you talked about us having to win first and second down on both sides, really. But defense has been funny, man, because as a fan, I've hopped on Philly Special Pod every single week. And I believe there are numbers to back this up at least before Matt Patricia, when we could actually stop the run. Now we're just kind of bleeding everywhere. We won on first and second down. The shit that terrified Eagles fans every single week was third and seven plus. Yeah. Like I used to tell people, dude, I would rather have somebody in third and three because there's at least the off chance that, that they, they run, run into a loaded box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They lose one or gain one and they punt. When teams are in obvious drop back situations against the Eagles defense right now, it is a nightmare. Oh. Third and 11? God damn it. doesn't matter. You know, Drew Locke, that final drive, I think completed three third third and longs. Third and 10. I don't know. He had third and eight, maybe slant to DK. Third and 10, sideline lob to DK. I don't know if the JSN touchdown was second or third down, but that was third and 10. It just, I'm not confident in any way, which sucks to say that even when you're winning the early downs like you're supposed to and putting teams in disadvantage situations, like third and long, that that's where we're most prone. So that's like the hardest part of watching this defense right now is even when we win the downs we're supposed to, we lose the ones that we should win. So yeah, that's, it's hard that's to have. I, I have no confidence a, defensively right now at it's all. It's a sense of security for me that um, even if the run game isn't going well, which I don't predict it will, by the way, which is a, a big problem when it comes to, to closing games out because we have to do a, a play-action rollout on second and eight in – if right, we don't yeah. get anything, we're just depending on our defense to stop somebody with four timeouts with the two-minute warning. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a safety blanket to have mostly the weapons that we have. Like, even Trey Palmer is a great NFL player. Um, and yeah. David Moore has made an impact since he came to the Bucks, which is fucking crazy. Um, yeah, Trey I just feel like – Some deep shots, too. Like, Baker yeah. ripped that thing. Baker, Baker's going to gonna chunk that shit. Um, I think the <clears throat> Bucks at home, man, I think they go and – I don't know. I feel like it's going to be one of those average NFL scoring games, like 45, 48 points. I'd, I'd probably go 27, 24, 21 bucks. I was going to say like, yeah, something weird. Yeah. 20, 23, 20, something like that. Yeah. Although when I say that out loud, it's hard to imagine us only giving up 23. That's what I'm oh. saying, but it is Baker still. I, I know Baker's been incredible this year, but it still is Baker Mayfield. And I know people forget he beat the fucking Steelers too. That one year in the playoffs, by the way, for the Browns. So, yeah. And then um, I think got hurt against KC, right? Yes. And they could have won, won that game. Yeah. Could have easily won that one. You're too. looking at Baker probably being in a conference championship if he doesn't get hurt, by the way. So, that's wild. Yeah. I mean, the- I've always liked Baker. I've always said, yo, that dude is not, to me, has not had a fair shot. So, I mean, yeah. yeah the, I, the thing is, is like, I feel like teams, when you get the meeting with Baker and you want to bring him in, you either fucking love him or you yeah. will never send him – you'll never give him a call back in his career. Right. The funny That's, thing I, I, I read about Baker is not for some people. when Baker's a heavy dog and you expect nothing of him, he balls out. The second Baker gets expectations attached, 
Yeah. This only goes the other way. That's something I've always yeah. read. So like and, beyond I, the game, I'm curious to see what happens. Cause if you, you know, you guys walk into Tampa and beat Philly, despite the public sentiment on Philly, you're still one of the final eight teams left. If you win that game. Yeah. Or are we talking like, you know, it's, it's like, to your point, like you hate, you hate to root for your team to suck. Nobody roots for their team to suck. I sometimes like in the case of Washington, New England, like you need to bottom out. It's healthy for your franchise to bottom out and reset. So like we could be going from bulls who maybe should be, should have been on the chopping block. Like maybe Baker's a stopgap to a rookie quarterback to if they win a playoff game. Baker's are starting this year. Does Baker get a Geno Smith type three years, 75? Do they commit that much? Do they give him a fat one year, you know, the Jameis Winston one year, 20 mil with incentives. Like does mm-hmm. Bulls get an extension? Like, or Baker could leave too. Baker could go get a bag at another team that just yeah. needs a veteran quarterback and doesn't Someone want else to can pay him. But I got a hard time to believe if they win a playoff game and are one of the final eight that you guys move on from him. With a first-year play caller that he now has right. a connection with. Right. That has now kind of – Dave Canales, by the way, we were shitting on him as a fan base. No, I've seen a little bit of buzz on him, but I, I don't think there's going to be enough for him to actually leave. To be I don't think he's leaving. So in all likelihood, he's coming back. His, uh, his ability to adapt – Throughout this season, I think that as fans, even during the NBA season, dude, we we overreact to the at the beginning and it's little nuances during the game when in fact this dude is doing something for the first time in his career. Give right. him a fucking chance to gather it and get going, and he did, man. His his that's the difference. Really good. We saw Canales grow. Ryan Johnson has remained the same. Yes, like you know, she'll you know, I always listen to stuff and this guy this guy asked what's the best sign of a good coach and the most clear and obvious signs of a good coach are can you get more out of the talent you've been provided and not to say Tampa's not a talented team you know Mike Evans is good Chris Chris Alvin's good Baker's a solid player but it ain't no loaded roster right they're not stacked like they shouldn't be in the same realm offensively with the talent that we have as the Eagles like it shouldn't even be a discussion conversation Yeah, and unfortunately it is. And Tampa's looked yeah. a lot better over the last month and a half. So, like, that's as big of a coaching indictment as I can give. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to – I'm not of – you know me. I'm a, I'm a realist. I'm not an optimist. I'm not pessimistic. Yeah. I try to call a spade a spade. Like, when I feel good about a team, I let you know. When I feel bad, I let you know. I'm not going to walk into this game without A.J. Brown and assume that this coaching staff is smart enough to put together a game plan without him that generates good offensive football because they haven't shown me they have the ability to do so with him the entirety of the year. So I'm not going to blindly give someone my allegiance and faith that hasn't earned it. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, if I'm a, you know, picking the game without bias, I think Tampa probably wins it. Doesn't shock. Neither result shocks me. Right. Cause we we have too much much talent on offense, at least, you know, playoff games. You got fucking three O linemen, four O linemen top, Three at their position, right. top four, yeah, top five. Like, yeah. yeah, we, you know, we had two All Pros on the O line again. Devontae Smith is arguably the best number two in the league. Yeah, like it's not yeah. like it's who not like he's a baller. Who and gets underutilized? Devontae hoops. <laughs> yeah, Smitty's a baller. Yes, yeah, Smitty's incredible. I'm just not confident they're going to put him in enough positions to succeed. Um, because again, they haven't shown the ability to do so. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, arrow's pointing down for us, bro. Um, 
obviously hoping we win. I'm going to be locked the fuck in as usual. Are you coming over for that or no? Depends on the weather. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah because weather. it does – I saw. I was going to text you about that. But I had a, I had a couple questions for you. Yeah. I got one. How sick are Philly fans of their stars getting hurt days within the playoffs starting? Yeah, bro. <laughs> like, I mean, this bleeds over cross sport. This, this is, I mean, Bryce Harper had an injury, I believe. Yeah. Um, Jalen Hurts got hurt. Uh, AJ Brown got hurt. Joel Embiid has been hurt for eternity every, before the playoffs. Every year. Every year that was a question. Nah, I mean, it's, yeah, there's a little PTSD. <laughs> the, the, the worst part is, too, man, like, they asked Sirianni about that today, and he said he has no regrets. Obviously, he's, he's never going to say, I regret putting him out there. Yeah, we should have rested a man. Fuck, right. we're screwed. The division was still in the balance for as long as they were in the game. You know, it's not like they played well into the fourth quarter when Dallas was up 24 and then he got hurt. You know, the game is in the balance. AJ, you know, this is why I'm always pro rest. Like, I, especially in a contact sport, talk about this with Landon all the time. Like, guys are literally one play away from things changing. You're playing in MetLife, which players have been very adamant about. Yes. You guys going down in MetLife. Damn near feels like every week. So, City Brown, ACL, AJ Brown gets rolled up on. The Jets players have been bitching forever about that shit. Literally. And nobody's changed the stadium. Which no. I don't so, yeah. No, I mean, it gets kind of tiresome. But to be quite frank with you, this feeling is different than it's still frustrating as shit. Like waking up, shit sucks. Cut like a player of that magnitude, it feels like it kind of saps all hope. But, um, to lean on the pessimistic side, like when a B gets hurt last year, I really felt like we had a shot to win it all. Um, whereas this team has not left me with that sentiment over the past month and a half. Like it, it, you never know it's the playoffs, right? You want to give me all those cliches. Win, lose, or draw, this team's walking into Tampa and Dallas and getting boat raced with the way our defense is playing. Yeah. I largely believe it would not have mattered. So I, I think like, not to cop out, not to say I'm quitting on the team. I'm definitely not doing that. But once you kind of resign yourself to the expected result while while getting to watch every week and root for your team to win, it makes it like a little bit easier knowing that it doesn't look like it was in the cards. Like if AJ Brown went down last year, different ball game. Yeah. I'd be really hurting. Like that'd be different because I, you know, felt like we had a shot. We did have a shot. Didn't get it done. This year's got a little bit different sentiment. Um, and that's due to the team sucking for the past six weeks. You know, this is not fan public irrational outcry on, you know, how Tobias Harris plays down the stretch in a January game without Joel Embiid. Like this is the playoffs are here. It's winter go home. And you just lost probably your best offensive player outside of Lane Johnson, maybe Jason yeah. Kelsey, maybe, maybe Jalen hurts. He yeah. probably changes the scheme as much as any of those guys going down. Probably lane would be the biggest shift because of how we look without lane. And again, I haven't seen us play without AJ Brown except since the playoff game in Tampa two years ago, where we could not cross the 50 yard line and we're down 30 to zero going into the fourth quarter. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen the Eagles play without him yet. So um, it's a, it's an unknown to be quite frank, but nothing they've shown me this year, even with him in the lineup has shown me that they are capable of making necessary adjustments with him. Damn sure without him. So and, yeah, and I mean, dude, I mean, you have to think about Todd Bowles in his office when he gets the news today. He goes, What? I don't yeah. have to right. I don't have to roll over a safety every play. 
Right. I can just yeah. leave Antoine Winfield out and about to play with right. instincts. Just let he him fucking free roam instincts. Yeah. Let him hit the box. You know, it's like I can't not, wait to it, see that. The comparison's not Joel Embiid, like different realm as far as regular season yeah. goes. But I I just listened to uh before we played the Jazz, I listened to a Will Hardy presser before the game. Before we played the Kings last night, Mike Brown had a presser, and you hear about teams talk about how much everything truly changes as far as how you're going to guard that team. You know what I mean? How you're going to set it up. Yeah, or attack Go out, go to the rim. Right, yeah. So, I mean, there's similar-ish comparisons there with football. When you're down, your best playmaker on offense, how a defense is going to attack you is going to change drastically, and it makes it a lot easier for a D.C., quite frankly. Yeah, so uh, my my last question, and this is (laughs) – we already addressed this, so this was just like – I'm playing devil's advocate at this point with the Nick Sirianni. I said, uh, yeah, what do you, what do you think? Like, I want to get your take on that. Cause what, I don't know where you're going to go with this, but like Sirianni in general, you know, we're obviously in like a bunch of Cowboys heavy chats. Yeah. And he's been very vocal. Like he was vocal after the chiefs game. See you chiefs fans. Like I saw you reference that in the chat yesterday. See, I don't even troll like that. I was just having fun. You know, that. like that's why. I don't. That's why I love. I, I know you well enough to fuck around. Like if you know, yeah. there's some other people we've talked about. Like I don't know you that well. Don't get that personal. <laughs> that's not even personal. Like that's just good fun. Like if we win, you know, I'm gonna come back guns blazing too. Like that's the way it goes. But it's funny. We always talk about like when shit's going good, nobody cares about that shit. Yeah. When you're nine and one coming out of the KC game, nobody cares. Like this guy wears his motions on his Go sleeve. To the ear. He's a different coach than most head coaches. Like normally it's your coaches buttoned up and your players show the attitude. Our team is very different. Jalen Hurts is the the coach right there, kind of. He's the yes. he's the one having to calm Sirianni down. And Sirianni's the one as a head coach yelling at fans and being boisterous and nodding his head at the camera on the sidelines. Like yeah. so I love him personally. I know Philly sentiments kind of shifted because we're losing. There's been a lot of, you know, is Sirianni on the hot seat? Which none of that shit, again, I don't buy any of that stuff. I, I put it at a 0% chance that he's gone personally. I think if we walk into Tampa and lose by 17, there's going to be like some national buzz, but I don't so that's my thing. go that it's route. More of, it's more of a, a devil's advocate thing here because I, I think it is absurd, irresponsible, and irrational to – just like the, the Mike McCarthy talks, they – they're second in wins, total wins, the yeah. last three years. Well, behind 12 games every year. So that it's irrational. And also with the, the quarterback and coach relationship, Todd Bowles needs a guy like Baker in there, uh, a light of fire under your ass, a Tom Brady in there, light of fire, fire under your ass, because he's the most yeah. inflamed coach. Yeah, Todd's boring as shit. He's not motivational. Exactly. Yeah. So he needs a counterpart to that. Um, right. With Sirianni, my question was, is he coaching for his job because – if I was to play devil's advocate, I don't think he is coaching for his job. For no, the a, lot record, of people, a lot of people do, though. I don't a lot of idiots do, and I'm calling you idiots. I don't give a fuck. But to make their point for them, right, let's just go with it. You lose Shane Steichen. He goes with a rookie quarterback. that He, he went to a team that just won five fucking games, I believe. Yeah. Five games. He yeah. goes, and he almost makes the playoffs. Then, with a rookie quarterback in and out of the lineup, playing with Gardner Minshew, who obviously he's familiar with, so it's okay. But, and then you lose your defensive coordinator, Gannon, who went off to the Cardinals and showed 
that he can motivate these guys to compete. We saw the preseason memes. Oh, fireworks. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, they're a little off. That whole coaching staff was a little off in yeah. the head, but that's what made them great. Yeah. So, yes. So when when that happens, if I was to make an argument for him coaching his job, you lost two coordinators. You have not looked the same since you lost coordinators. We have seen coordinators cover up bad coaching jobs since the beginning of time. That yep. has been the case. Um, so with that being said, I think you can make the case, yo, he lost a dude that was really calling his plays. He lost the other guy that was that was killing shit on defense, had two all-pro corners. All of a sudden, he makes these new hires, gets these other guys that are already on his staff, promotes them, and then now – Shit's falling flat. Who again, again, to touch on, we were two and seven in Sirianni's rookie year to start. Yes. And we did not turn it around until he gave play calling duties to Sykin. Exactly. So if I was to make their. And now you're seeing what Sykin's doing in Indy, like you just said. Yes. And it's then you start kind of reassigning credit. You know, it's kind of the reverse of Doug Peterson and Frank Wright. Yes. You know, we, we won the Super Bowl with Wright as the OC, went to the playoffs two more years. Reich leaves. We bottom out all these people. You know, I got Haas telling, you know, Reich goes to Indy. Haas is like, oh, it was Reich the whole time. There's all these people trying to assign it to Reich. This fucker's getting fired after one season. Yeah, right now Reich's claiming out. (laughs) Reich's claiming out. You know, Doug, I don't want to talk about Jacksonville because that shit is on Doug. You start eight and three, you miss the playoffs. That's a disaster. But Insane. Took them to the playoffs last year. Came back from 27-0 deficit against the Chargers. Won a game. Like, it's fair to say the credit goes to Doug there. You know, a lot of people tried to reassign it to Reich. This scenario, I think, is the opposite. I think we're probably right to assume that the majority of the offensive credit should go to Sykin and not Sirianni because Sirianni has not shown the ability to produce, get plays called, whether it's him or Brian Johnson, at a competent level without Sykin. So then that leaves you in a precarious spot, right? There's three head coaches to me. There are the O.C., which if you can manage both is preferred to Andy Reed, because when you lose a coordinator, you don't have to redo your offense. Be enemy. Andy Reed stays in the building every single year. And to me, yeah. like Kansas City this year is not a be enemy thing. It's a no they don't have a receiver who can catch the football. No, that I, I was I was right. supporting like, your point right. with yeah. he lost B enemy and yeah, he like Andy Reed's got all these guys fired. Sirianni yes. actually got fired from KC. Um Matt Nagy got a head coaching job out of the KC tree, went to Chicago. Fell flat on his face, brought him back to KC. KC looked largely the same. They won a Super Bowl the year after losing Tyreek Hill when everyone said they were going to flop. Yes, even me. He's probably the best receiver of our generation, Tyreek. But the constant is Andy Reid. You don't have to worry about turnover calling plays when you lose the offensive-minded coach. You have a defensive-minded guy who's calling the plays. We've seen that go both ways, right? Like Brandon Staley on his way out. Thought he was revolutionizing the way defenses were played and called and you know, you have guys like Big Fangio in the past. Didn't work as head coach. Jim Mike Schwartz. Grable. Mike Grable, Grable just got fired. I think Grable's he's an incredible hell, coach. He's a hell of a head coach, yeah. I he's think gonna, he's an incredible he's gonna, coach. He's going to get plucked up immediately. Yes. But I'm just giving an example. That's the two. Yeah. No, it's fair. And then there's the third type of head coach, which is where Sirianni falls. And that is the motivator of men not to – you know, I don't want to just boil it down to that. I don't want to make it sound like they walk around and yell rah-rah speeches and, you know, all that shit. But you've got Tomlin not calling offense, not calling defense. And our product oftentimes of their coordinators, Matt Canada, you know, like 
put that offense in the mud for 40 straight games. That's the shit that you have to rely on when you're not but calling Colin's such a genius. Other, but he's such he, a good coach. He still That's, made the playoffs. Yeah, that brush, they had no business making the playoffs. Kyle Kevin, Rudolph, guys. Kyle Rudolph started the last Mason three Rudolph. fucking Mason games Rudolph. of the season. Yeah. Mason Rudolph. But yeah. Oh, my bad. Mason yeah, Rudolph. You're good. Um, that is hilarious. I'm trying to think of what, like, Stefanski did a hell of a job this year with Cleveland. Yeah. But when Jim Schwartz walks, Maybe your defense looks a little different now because their defense was terrible last year. Horrible. We, we remember them for this year. Cleveland's defense is awful last year. You know, you've got um, Harbaugh. On a side note, you give Schwartz a good front four, and, I, yeah. and this is not no. for every coordinator because no. Jack Del Rio with Washington yeah. had Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Chase Young and Montez Sweat out there, yeah. and he couldn't do – he was blitzing every fucking play. And you Montez give Sweat, Schwartz like, – yeah. You get short to top a, yeah. a, a good ass front four, you're yeah. fucked. He's manning you up, pressing your ass, yeah. and you ain't getting shit off. It's that crazy. That was on a long pause I listened to the offseason. The guy was like, hey, you give Jim Schwartz a front four. Bro. He'll cook. He'll cook for yes. you. Um, and then but you yeah, know, it, John it's Harbaugh. It's a weird situation with Sirianni. It's just a, a, a thing where this – also, the one breaking point that came to me from the media and fans alike was the switching of the DC. I think that is where yeah. Sirianni's yep. intelligence even comes into question. And I think, I don't think all football coaches are smart. Like I think they're smart with football. I don't think yeah. they're all smart people, but yeah. I think his intelligence and his football knowledge kind of got, you kind of put your eyebrows like, bro, Matt, Patricia, of awesome. all the people on your fucking staff, that's you a great point. Matt Patricia? Yeah, we barely even touched on that. That's a great point. Um, yeah, and to know that, you know, he's probably one pushing for the decision, but the GM and owner are probably signing off on that. Of course. You know, and Desai was in, you know, a little bit of a rut, but Desai had shown, like, proof of concept, at least in some games. Yes. You know, when we went to Miami and gave up 17, I know Tyreek dropped a touchdown. Like, you could probably find plays like that in every game, though. I don't want to you know, say that they punched above their weight, but they showed they could stop a real offense. This wasn't beating up on Tommy DeVito. No. Like, you actually slowed a real offense. He kind of had a mixed bag throughout the year when he was there. Um, KC looked like a good defensive job. Turns out they can't catch. They're not a good offense. So that one kind of got put by the wayside. But, yeah, going to Matt Patricia, like, we didn't have 10 years of knowledge as to what he is. Um, and to make that move, that screams in your locker room, Desperation. Your play call sheet is laminated. Yeah. Why the fuck do you have a pencil? Yeah, with the pencil in the ear, bro. I don't know. He's got some sort of swagger thing going on with the defense. I'm not joking. When I saw him, and I'm not a Colin Cowherd guy, backwards hat guy. When I saw him coaching the Lions, I got it. You know why? When I see my head coach in the middle of a game with his hat turned backwards like my douchebag ass with a pencil in his ear, I'm like, they got no fucking chance. Yeah, something's going Literally wrong. every time I was like, they got no – look at this guy. Right. Yeah. Look at this fucking guy. Yeah, that move screams desperation. And then ever since the move, we've been and, bottom of the league and basically every metric known to man. You know you know the, uh, the, the adage, hey, two quarterbacks means you ain't got a quarterback. Yeah. When have we seen, other than your example, of course, of Shane Steichen, y'all went nine and seven. It wasn't like y'all went fucking eleven and six or something. Right. Um, 
when have we seen uh, a situation, uh, even the Giants with Brian Dayball, when have we seen this situation where, uh, oh, I'm taking over the play calling? You know what? I'm demoting him midseason. It seemed like a super rash decision, by the way. Like, yeah. we've seen ebbs and flows with great teams all the time. Yeah, happens the, with the, the NFL is just reactionary. We're just, it's a reactionary league. The yeah. NBA is so long, it's not until, like, the halfway point. Yep. This league is so reactionary. I'm like, dude, why are we demoting people when you have this record? You have a chance at the number one seed still. Right. What? Yeah, the sky hadn't even fallen out yet. The no. defense was just not playing well. Yeah, I like, What I the agree. fuck is going on? What is – it was – it just made me go like – Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I looked at that way – like almost like a Philly fan because nobody really was dissecting it. Bro. Yeah, okay. The that team nasty. that just went to the Super Bowl, demoted a coordinator past the midpoint of the season. is Nobody's talking about this. Yep, and it was – the worst part weird. was they tried to keep it hidden, and sources leaked it right after a presser where Sirianni said there would be no changes. And so when it the media grabs hold of it first, and you don't come, you don't come out in front, and you got Ian Rappaport after dropping it. Yeah, it looks really bad, man. So – yeah, not good from an optics perspective at all, and damn sure not good from on the field. And you so, know what? You know, you don't – and that's where, like, you handpicked this guy in the offseason. Also, for people that don't know, Vic Fangio was a senior defensive assistant for our Super Bowl. He was going to be the next D.C. hired if Gannon walked. A thousand percent. It was hard. Like, you can find – I can send you multiple articles on this. It was done. Gannon tells the team he's staying yep. while meeting with the Cardinals behind the scenes. They tampered. You know, we swapped draft picks this upcoming draft, moved up to their third rounder. They got ours um, because Fangio thought that he was coming back. Fangio verbally committed to the Dolphins. And then they come to find out Jonathan Gannon's walking. So they lose the in-house replacement who Vic Fangio, for those that don't know, is like one of the most widely respected defensive coordinators in the modern NFL. And he's like, When we talk about trees, like Andy Reid tree, Fangio has a tree. Like he's the, yeah. you know, he's the one at the top. So um, that one hurt. And then you go handpick a guy who, you know, when you pick him, it is his first year as a DC. He's going to have to learn on the job to pull the plug on that midway through the first season in a year where your team is rolling. Even if the defense is not giving you the results you want for week after week to do that to a first year guy, it's going to kill his confidence. It's going to confuse your leaders in the locker room. You know, if he had more experience under his belt, he doesn't get demoted, right? Because you don't see Dallas trying to pull the plug on Dan Quinn when they nope. give up over 400 yards to Josh Dobbs and the Cardinals. You don't see the Bucks fucking demoting Dave Canales when we when we go on that stretch of losing right. six of seven or whatever we did. Imagine making the decision to hire a first-time OC knowing he has to grow and pull in the plug after 10 games. And be like, yo, you know what? You're not good at this. I don't know why we hired you. That's literally right. – to me, that's, that's an indictment on you. Yeah, yes. That's gonna dive oh, on you. That was my bad. I didn't yeah. know you were this shitty at your job. That's insane. Yeah, that's wild to me. Like, they, you know, they're not demoting Dan Quinn after the Josh Jobs Cardinals game. Not demoting Dan Quinn after he gives up 35 to Seattle. Like, this is the way the NFL goes. Some teams are going to get you some weeks. Like, that's just kind of the – and at the start of the year, we had the most secondary combinations in the NFL. by yeah. a You remember the start of the year, right? Like that Vikings yeah. game. Bradbury goes down. He has a concussion. You know, Slay's banged up. Josh Job's going in. Reed Blankenship's in and out. 
Avante Maddox misses, you know, he gets hurt in the Patriots game, tears his peck, he's out. We're throwing UDFAs, Eli Ricks, and Josh Job and Keely Ringo, who hasn't played. The Miami Heat secondary, baby, that's what we call it. Yeah, exactly. And, like, Desai was like, I don't want to call it a passable job, but, like, sometimes it is, quite frankly, a personnel issue that you've got to deal with and write the ship until your guys get back. So, yeah, like, to me, that move screams straight panic. And to go to a guy of Matt Patricia – where his resume speaks for itself in the worst way possible. Yep. Who Slay has been on record of having beef with before you brought Weird. him in the building this year. You Weird. know, they said they made up behind the scenes, yada, yada. I'm sure they, you know, they shook There's hands. still some harsh feelings the there because that was a Darius so Slay. Slay wasn't number one. Like, Slay's prideful, dude. Like Slay, and Slay is one of the – one of the guys that obviously being in Detroit so long, he was probably the best corner in the league outside of like – I don't know, Darrell Revis and towards the end of his career and Jalen yeah. Ramsey while he was coming up. And he's always been, I, I hate the cliche word, he's been such a professional about everything. For yeah. him to come out publicly and like crash out over right. this coach, that's yeah. a, he has he some never says shit about anybody. Yeah. Yes. He never yeah. says anything. But also my point with that uh, decide thing, you know, the way you said anybody with this offense should be a top 10 offense, right? With an OC. I mean, it shouldn't yeah. be that hard, honestly. Yeah. I think that is an issue when your front office or your head coach has that perspective on things. And I think that's that may bad. have happened. Like, well, dude, we can build something here and have long – because I bet that the thing was, hey, let's get these two first-year guys. We can build a base of three years of them – two to three years of them staying – or maybe one year they go off, but I doubt that happens. One or two years with these two guys, build some camaraderie, and get it going. How bad could it be with this talent? Right. How bad could it be? Yep. And we see how bad it is, honestly. Yep. It is, like to your point, I didn't even know that stat. You said since 94? 1994, there has been no team that has made the Super Bowl that lost both their coordinators in the same office to head coaching jobs. Yeah. Damn, that's wild. Yeah, there was a lot of turnover, and it was a concern. And then you walk out, and we're ten and one, and getting through the gauntlet. And little did we know, the fucking gauntlet was at the end. Apparently, we're fucking Seattle. And I, I don't know, yeah, bro. No it's a broken so, team, but yeah. But like to answer your first question, I don't. I don't think he's coaching for his job, but I fully understand the sentiment. You know, I'm I'm trying to separate national narrative from reality, and I. Just the thing There's that everyone no points to, though, is, fired to me. The thing There's that no everyone points to, though, is the Doug Peterson, how quickly it turns, even for a guy that won the bowl. Yeah. But the thing with Doug that people don't remember as well is much to his downfall now, he brought in Press Taylor with him to Jacksonville, let him call the plays in the middle of the year. He cannot call plays at all. Press Taylor was our offensive coordinator when Doug was there. And at the end of that 4-11-1 season, they brought Doug in the office, and they did not want to fire Doug. But they told Doug, you've got to bring a new cast of coordinators because this shit is not good enough. And Doug was like, I want my guys. Like, you know, coaching is a relationship business, man. You see it all the time. When one head coach comes in, they relieve largely the entire staff, right? Like, those are not his guys. They want to bring in their connections. They want to bring guys in with similar philosophies on offense, on defense, on special teams. Doug did not want to relinquish that. He wanted to be the one building his own coaching staff, which rightfully so. And they obviously let him do in Jacksonville. So the thing with Philly is 
they are going to have no issues letting go of Patricia. I know that. You cannot re-promote Desai, right? That's done. That's the weird you, thing. You can't yeah. pull a guy after 10 games and make him DC again the next year. That I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of the league. I'd have to go back huh. and I don't even know how to search that, but I can promise you it's probably never happened. To where a guy got demoted midseason, bottomed out, had a shit year, and brought the previous DC back. Brian Johnson, that one's a little weird. This is what's going to suck is because him and Hertz are such tight friends. And Brian Johnson clearly has a way with him going back to high school that he was best served as his quarterback's coach, which he was last year. That's going to be tough because what I just said about Desai, same way you can't re-promote him. I don't know if you can demote a guy. I was about to say, you can't keep him in building. And right. Brian Johnson wouldn't go for that anyways because right. I hate to tell you guys, bro, if you're a coach, man, a lot of my friends have pursued that. Um, that is a grimy fucking job unless you've yeah. got connections on top of connections, man. So when these guys go up, like, for instance, Frank Reich, when he gets fired from these these head coaching jobs, I don't know. Like, that. that's the only way. When you when you realize, like, maybe I ain't fit to be a coach. You're in your head. You think you are. Yeah. But nobody's going to hire you that way. That's the only way you get kind of demoted back to an OC, like back to what you should be. Like Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio was the head coach of the, the Broncos. Yeah. He said, you know what? I'm probably better suited to just just be a fucking yeah, DC. Be a DC. Yeah. That's like, you know, yeah, to your point, that's the carousel. You try a head coach. Doesn't work for most of them because it's really fucking hard. Yeah. It's not Shout a, out to Josh McDaniels, man. I was about to say, I was about to bring him up next. Like, you get a head coaching job, you fucking bottom out, you ride coattails, you sit on offense of Brady, you do a solid enough job, you have a great rookie year with Mac Jones. People forget how bad you were in Denver. Yep. You're the next hot guy on the coaching cycle. You get another gig. Shocker. He's not built to be a head coach again, which we've already seen. The fact, by the way, the fact that anybody even and I'm not like an anti-McDaniels guy, by the way. I don't really give a shit about him. No yeah. offense. Um, people for how does he get a job after what he did to Indy? Still don't understand that. Um, yeah, no. Which is wild because <laughs> I think wherever Belichick ends up, I think McDaniel's gonna be his OC. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of how it's been. It's like Belichick lets his lets his birds out the nest, and That's then early point you want, they can't you want fucking your staff. fly, and yeah. they just, he's like, you know what? You're better under me, huh? Just come on. I mean, Patricia yeah. and and McDaniel's are probably going to end up being the staff for for yeah. Bill Belichick. Patricia will be on the staff in some capacity. Yes, yeah. he will be on the staff. Joe Judge, unless he gets another job, will be on the staff. Bill O'Brien, unless he goes somewhere else, will be on the staff. He he has this core of like five to six guys, and I don't know how to say his last name, the offensive line coach um, that he had for until he was literally almost 100 years old. Uh, retired. Yeah. 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 So – that. Yeah, so, so I don't, I don't, I fully believe in letting a guy grow like Canali is like giving him the year. But if they've shown you nothing, especially with the talent base that we have, like I said, I know Patricia ain't coming back. Decide can't. It's from a PR optics perspective, it's not going to mm-hmm. work. I don't think Brian Johnson is coming back personally. So I think that's got- like offensive assistant elsewhere. So you're looking at an entire new offseason of two new coordinators again. So we both got. And then, then we start staring at. Then we start staring at Sirianni. Yeah, that's when it – I think next year if is you've had be three, If you've had three staffs in there under you, and I don't want to say shit's not working, just went to the bowl, just won 11 games. Like, it's it's work. Teams will, teams will kill for this two-year run. So, like, but that's the problem when you set expectations is this season's looked at as a failure at 11-6 and six right now and potentially get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. So Yeah, so we, um, we both got Tampa. 
Yep, both got Tampa. Uh, I, I I don't think Sirianni's coaching for his job. Not this year. I think it's too early for that. And uh, yeah, I think all eyes are on him next year. So we're going to see. Um, yep. If I can, if I can make it over to your house, I, I will. I'll be over there. Um, apparently, it's supposed to snow on Monday, and um, I will come over early um, on Monday if I can get in your house. I don't know what time you'll get home, but I'll come yeah, over no, early. You can. Okay, so we can. I'll watch the Bill get, Bills game over there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll do that, and hopefully, I don't get locked in your your house with the snow and shit. If so, that'd probably be fun. But um, yeah, man, this has been a great pod, Chris. I do wish y'all luck, man. I'm not luckily I'm not a troll like the rest of these guys. When I'm watching the game with you, I'm not I'm not poking you. Nah, I'm not man, talking nah. I man, let people watch worse. the game because if you're doing that, the thing is, I know if you're doing that to me, I I'm not saying I'm gonna punch somebody in the face. We might get a little physical pause. Yeah, I, I might yeah. have to put my hands on somebody because one, don't touch me while I'm I'm fucking pissed off. Don't fucking touch me. Yep. My okay. girlfriend can't even touch me when I'm pissed off. So you definitely can't touch me. Yep. My wife so, can't either, bro. Yeah, stay away. Yeah, yeah and Nina knows now. Like, now I don't overreact to Heat games or Bucks games. But she knows after a playoff loss to give me yes. a good two and a half hours. I'm going to need two and a half weeks, bro. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. For me, yeah. when we lose, it's really hard to watch the next week. I'll watch yeah, it. But like, it's, it takes a grieving window. And then I'm going to sound like a hell of a loser at the end of this pod. When your team is out, bro. It is kind of nice to like, you just get to watch ball. Like you ain't got to worry about, ah, damn, I really wanted the Rams to beat Detroit. So we could go to Dallas instead of San Fran. Like you just get to like, let the dudes line up, like maybe root a little bit for your fantasy playoff league. But like, you just get to watch ball, like for the pure game that it is. Uh You ain't ain't having to worry about, oh, so-and-so's injured. I wonder how we're going to match up with them next week. That's what I'm pissed about because – Unless we get like a lucky matchup in that second round, man. I mean, I I don't know. We're just being real, bro. Like we're yeah, it's better than Dallas. I I almost want us not really. I almost want us to get kind of like dropped off on Monday. I kind of get at on Monday because because you know, long term, like this is not best interest of the franchise. Too yes, but it's still I love I've loved Baker. I would love to see him win a playoff game in our uniform. No, that's yeah. show. I never root for a loss ever. I don't like just, never. Just to show Cam Jordan, you moron. Cam. Yeah. We're we are just what Tampa always was. Three yeah. time division champs. All right. And you can say it's a bad division. You're part of the fucking division, clown. Yeah. So tell tell Cam Jordan to shut the fuck up. Somebody somebody go pick your man up. Um shout out Jameis Winston for doing that by the way only only james could do that so um, amazing pod today chris we went for almost two fucking hours we could do this for six if we really wanted to um easy but yeah i will see you monday most likely and hopefully i'm gonna i'm gonna keep texting you throughout the season i I mean we text all day every day usually so um hopefully we can get you i'm gonna try to get you back on multiple times uh for philadelphia 76 or stuff super bowl we can talk about the result of this game too like you know exactly yeah do a little little post reaction type thing. Um, so yeah, I, I'm totally down to do that. So thank you, Chris, for coming on, man. Thank yeah, you bro. very much. Appreciate you. All right, guys. All right, coming up next. I'm gonna cut this down. I'm gonna have to. Part two is gonna be where I was right and wrong in fantasy. Run it. Can I click leave studio? Or will it? Yeah, you'll be out of here. All right, bro. I'm gonna go uh